you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. One of the ushers can get you one. We're in Genesis chapter 1, starting in, in verse uh, 26. I'm excited to be here in front of you guys today. I think the Lord is really going um, to speak. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you, Lord God, for this series that teaches us that we can encounter you in all aspects of life. And Father, by your grace, would you make yourself known, even now? Would you come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us? And Father, for those of us who are looking for an encounter with you today, would you, by your grace, meet us here, Lord God, in a fresh and a new way? In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. 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 So we're in a series um, called Sacramental Living, and um, it's been about uh, finding the extraordinary God uh, in the ordinary. And so we touched on finding um, God in the bread and the cup and communion, and also in the waters of baptism. And then last week, Rich was talking about um, finding God and encountering God in all aspects of life, which has been wonderful. And um, I've actually been responding with a question uh, about that. And the question I've been asking is, if truly we can find God in all aspects of life, um, what about, just like this title says, what about in the ugly? Um, and specifically, I've been asking uh, myself th this question, um, what about finding God in government? and politics. Uh, if we're really able to find God in all aspects, um, is God really present here? Um, and I'll, I'll just mention a, a few reasons why I've been wrestling with this. Uh, one is something that um, you're familiar with, I, I imagine. Um, the, the president of the United States is getting impeached, and as, as you look at the headlines, um, maybe you're responding and just you're, you just want to turn it off. Or you just see the ugliness and the blame, uh, false accusations, false claims, and you just want to cut yourself from, off from it. Um, and yet, we're in this series that says God could be encountered everywhere. And so how do, we, how do we bridge that disconnect? And then another reason why I've been wrestling with this is because of something called Queen's Power, uh, which New Life CDC has been involved with. Uh, recently, it's something new. It's uh, new. Uh, Queen's Power is this coalition of of churches and local nonprofits who are fighting for a, a greater Queens, uh, fighting for a, a, a Queens with uh, great schools, with um, access to affordable housing, uh, fighting for sustainable environmental practices, opportunities for for immigrants, and it's been really um, fantastic. Um, in fact, there's a table today after third service down in the lobby where you can, when you can, where you can find out more. And my, my hope is that many of you get involved uh, as a way of practicing the fifth M of new life, which is being missional uh, in, the, in the city, in the neighborhood, um, even in the workplace that, that we're in. And as, as Queen's Power has been gaining momentum, it's, it's really just a matter of time before we start engaging in local government and start um, talking about some issues that deal with government and politics. Because some of these areas that I mentioned, are so, they're so broad and so vast that we, we are bound to um, brush up against a local government as we engage in these community 
uh, affairs. And so as we've been doing this, really great questions have been coming up. For instance, is the church really meant to get involved in government? Questions like, um, should Christians get involved in politics? And then there, there are some of you here, you're, you're wondering, you know, Red, uh, I, I came here to be close to God and hear about God. Um, I did not come to hear about government and politics. Um, before you tune me out, uh, before you tune me out, um, I just want to describe how I want to um, progress today. And just, it's just based on these three, three simple questions. The first is, what is politics? Just so we all get on the same page. Why, why talk about it? Um, why it's actually important for us to, to touch on. And then lastly, where we'll spend a lot of our, our time is, why the follower of Jesus Christ, why the Christian actually adds significant value to this conversation? Why the Christian adds value to this space. And so um, I recognize that there are just three questions there, and this, this topic is broad, and so um, just in the short time I have, I'm just going to touch on these few things. And let me just mention a few hopes. Um, my, my, my hope is that maybe for those of you who have already turned off the TV, you've already cut it off, um, and you're actually a little disappointed that you came today because we're talking about this. Um, maybe, maybe for you, you'll hear something fresh and new that you actually might have a different perspective maybe. Um, and maybe there's a different insight so that you can re-engage in a way that's sacramental, in a way that's missional. And then um, my, my other hope is that maybe for those of you, you're, you're already engaged. Maybe you work for government or you're quite active on social media when it comes, comes to these topics. And maybe for you as well, after this talk, you will be more aware of the presence of God, and maybe more of a reflection of the presence of God in your posture and in your words. And so those are, those are some of the hopes. And so before I just get into uh, Genesis 1, let me just dis- define politics uh, for us, just a really simple definition, just so we can be on the same page. If you actually research that very word, politics, Um, you're going to come across this work by the Greek philosopher entitled Politics. And quite literally, it means things concerning the polis. The polis is that word that you hear in Acropolis or Decapolis. It's a Greek word for city. And so when he wrote this work, it simply meant the things concerning the city. That's what politics uh, is and was. And so in in that respect, it simply is the set of activities that concern, that are associated with human governing and ruling over a specific defined region. That's all all politics is. A set of associated actions, uh, activities related to ruling and governing. And so now this is what brings us to Genesis 1 if we were actually to look even farther back than Aristotle to see what exactly is the source of ruling and governing. What is the source? And so let's, let's, um, let's go to Genesis um, chapter 1, uh, 26, 28. Actually, before I, I go there, um, another hope. Um, there are some of you here, you're really not aware of what's happening because you can't even vote. 
um, your, your, your status doesn't really give you the same kind of opportunities or access that others might, might have, there's a message here for you as well. And so in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says, Then God said, uh, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that we may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Whoop. Uh, one more back. Thank you. Awesome. Um, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And then it continues on. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then that last line is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And so from here we see that God's very first command to humans is what? Be fruitful and multiply. But that command to the first, um, to, to the first of humanity wasn't actually unique. It wasn't unique. Because if you read in the verses before that, that same command was actually given to life and to animals as well. And where he said, be fruitful and multiply. The uniqueness of the command comes after uh, the, the, the phrase and that part where he says, be fruitful and multiply. And it's in, in chapter 1, verse 26. The, the unique command is actually here where it says, uh, let us mean mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that what? So that they might rule. This is the unique command that is only given to humanity. Be fruitful and multiply. That was given to, every, to all of life. However, there is this unique command given only to those made in the image of God, and that is to rule. It's as, it's as if to say, if there is a part of creation that is meant to exercise the capacity to govern or lead or rule, if there's a part of creation that is meant to do that, it needs to be made in the image of God because God is the source of governing and ruling. And so if it's almost like there's this um, DNA of being able to rule and govern that comes from God, and then he passes it on to humanity to rule. And so I have to say sorry to the fans of that movie, Planet of the Apes. Um, apes will not rule. Humanity is meant to rule. And so just going back to that definition of politics, uh, if we define politics as a set of activities uh, associated with governing and ruling, we see from Genesis that God is the author of governing and ruling. And so if God is the author of governing and ruling, could, could my, would, would you consider that God is the author of politics and government? Would you consider that? And if he actually gave it to us, would you consider that it's a gift to us? And if he gave it to us, would you consider that he has a wonderful purpose for it? Some of you are like, ah, 
Keep on talking. Ah. And so could it be that the purpose is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, put them in the garden of, uh, garden of Eden to work and, and take care of it. Could it be that the purpose of governance and of politics is to care for all of humanity and all of creation? Could, could that be? And so with that in itself, could it possibly change your perspective? Um, might uh, government and politics actually be more sacramental than you thought? Might, might it be a place where truly God is present if we say that God is the source of governing and ruling? Could it be? And sadly, I understand um, quite well what politics has uh, come to mean today. Uh, you know, that, that picture of the aisle is the, the aisle in Congress, and it shows this aisle separating the two dominant political parties. And we've, we've come to recognize what happens across these two aisles. There is blame, uh, there is fighting, there is, there is bickering, uh, there are false statements made, there are false accusations made. In fact, that is such the norm that when somebody crosses the aisle, meaning when somebody looks to cooperate with somebody that might be from a different disposition as they are, when somebody looks to cooperate and cross the aisle, it makes headlines. It's like it's a miracle. Because the norm is division, blame, fault finding, and the ugliness that can be present, which many of you and many of us are familiar with. And so uh, it brings us to our second question. In light of this um, uh, ugliness, why, why, why talk about it? Why? You know, due, due, to, it, to, due to its ugliness, um, can't, can't, we just, um, can't we just shut it off? Can't we just cut ourselves off from it? Because of the aisles of division uh, that exist in it. And you know, New, new Life, um, new life has been, never been um, uh, like this. Because in, in many spheres of our lives, uh, we, we note aisles of division. There are aisles of division between race, ethnicity, culture, and yet we've, we never grow silent about race. There are aisles of division between rich and poor, and yet we're not silent about class. And so I, I think if we were to be honest, any institution that has involvement among humans can have easily aisles of division. But does that mean that we cut it off? Does that mean we don't even touch it? Um, I'm not so sure. Especially if God is the source of governing and ruling. And then also, another reason why we talk about it, um, I recognize that this might be an oversimplification, but I think it drives home the point. Uh, God, I think we would all agree God loves people who are affected by laws that are then shaped by government. And so we talk about government if we choose to love people. Just another reason why we talk about it. And also, if, you, if, you, um, if, you're, a, if, if you're one who looks to the scripture um, as a follower of Christ or as a churchgoer, um, government and politics is all over Scripture. 
I mean, just think of, think of the Ten Commandments, the constitution of God's people, and how in Scripture, God has placed his people both in believing and non-believing governments. Think of Joseph and Moses in Egypt. Think of Esther, Daniel, Nehemiah in Babylon. Think of Solomon and King David over Israel. And then, uh, when Jesus Christ walked the earth, he discipled people on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. He discipled Matthew, who was working for the Roman government, and then he also discipled Simon the Zealot, who wanted to overthrow that government. Picture those two in the same crew. And then, there's this prophecy about Christ where he carries the government on his shoulders. And so all that to say, politics and government is all over scripture. And so it could be silly sometimes that it doesn't enter into the space where we gather. And and also followers of Christ, um, we're not meant to live in a bubble. We are not called to be detached and unaware from the affairs that this world and that this city and our neighborhoods are going through. We're not called to live in a a bubble. Even Jesus Christ said in himself, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You know, I I recognize that many of you come here and you say, Red, I just want want to encounter God, I want to feel the Spirit and worship. And that is fantastic, and that's what I come for as well. But it's not a bubble for us to be detached from the affairs of our communities. We actually come together in a church to be equipped not to be salt and light because the word already says we are salt and light. If you're a follower of Christ, we come to be equipped to behave and move and act like salt and light in the world that we're in. This is part of the call of the church. And so that's why with balance at New Life, we'll talk about uh, Race, uh, sex, uh, power, money, government, and even today, politics. I know some of you are getting nervous, but hang on. Hang on. Hang on. So now, even though there's, there's much that we'll talk about, there are some things that you won't hear from the front. Um, And it's not just because, it's partly because, but not just because the church has a tax-exempt status, and so we're forbidden from campaigning and and endorsing political candidates. Uh, I'm talking about something uh, beyond that. Uh, We, you you won't hear us campaigning. Now, you on your own as individuals, um, campaign and endorse all you want as you continue to follow Christ and seek what the missional expression of your life might be you do that, but up here from the pulpit, you won't, you won't see us campaigning for a specific political candidate. Um, and, and, and why? The, the, the reason is it, it, simply, it simply alienates those who wouldn't have or who didn't vote for that person. We're here to represent the kingdom of God and not political candidates. And so that's, that's why. 
And, and you know, um, several years ago, um, I really just received great insight from the elders and the executive team because several years ago, as New Life CDC continued to get involved in the local neighborhood, we would engage in, in community and government affairs, and uh, the head of the city council, the speaker of the city council, actually, many of you guys don't know this, but uh, this um, woman at that point wanted to come and speak here at New Life. There were some people that were for it, um, because we wanted to be part of community affairs of government, and there were people that were against it. And it was because of this dialogue that I actually saw, um, I saw the weight of not just the new life, but the church Sunday pulpit. I saw, I saw the weight of it. I saw the weight of it because um, whatever is said in front um, really needs some, some thought and prayer um, and, and dialogue because the Sunday pulpit for the body of Christ, and not just that new life, for the church as a whole, for the body of Christ as a whole, it has a power. It has a power to move people. And it also has this, it has this authority. It has an authority to be able to speak biblical truth to power. It has this God-given authority to be able to speak biblical truth no matter who's in office. And so having a political candidate um, stand up here in the front can easily compromise that kind of prophetic, that kind of biblical witness. And so yes, there, there, there are many things that, we're gonna, uh, that we can touch on and talk about and we do and we have, but there are also some things that require much thought and pause. And so just the, just the last part, um, why Christians uh, add value uh, and how Christians add value to this particular space. Um, you may not know it. Um, you know, you, you might not have the kind of knowledge to engage or maybe you're already engaged. Um, maybe you're just engaged in social media but you don't really engage in community affairs. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's, an, there's a value add that you can make because you're following Jesus. And that's why it needs to be brought up in this space. The, the, first, um, the first thing I just want to touch on is something that is unique to new life, and it's in the area of emotionally healthy relationships and an emotionally healthy spirituality. The, the government and politics space and the community engagement space can be so uh, ugly and ridden with conflicts that you need conflict resolution tools that are deep, uh, that are profound, and that are also uh, based on scripture. And so in, in EHR and EHS, um, we, will, we will teach about uh, incarnational listening, which is deep listening, um, clean fighting. You never thought that those two words would be put together. Making a request, making a complaint with a request for change. And then there's also exploring the iceberg. You, you begin to be familiar with these things and begin to act these things out. You will be amazed at kind of the value add that you bring when you're in that kind of space talking about government. And then just, just the last thing. Um, the first is unique to New Life. Um, but the ones I'm going to bring up, um, the humility and the hope of the Christian faith 
the humility and the hope of the Christian faith is for all of the body of Christ. And it affords us this significant value add in this space. So um, just first, um, humility. Remember um, earlier I talked about the garden. Um, When when the first humans um, chose to uh, disobey in this ugly disobedience, another aisle was formed. And it wasn't like a vertical aisle that separates the left and the right. It was a horizontal aisle that separated the righteous God from unrighteous humanity. It was that kind of aisle that formed. And I recognize that when you um, see the ugliness of government, you might say, that's the unrighteousness right there that I see. But I, I think if we were to be humble and honest, I think that the ugliness that we see in politics also resides in us. And I think many times the ugliness uh, in government can actually be a mirror of what actually also resides in me and maybe in you. And so um, I recently had to face my own um, inner ugliness as I... um, um, as I engaged with, with my wife in a particular episode last, last weekend that I just want to tell you about. So last, last week, um, I was playing in Central Park. There are these sand courts in Central Park, uh, two-on-two volleyball, and I was there at 8.30 in the morning, and I was supposed to be home at 11.30. Uh, I had to be home because my wife said, listen, I got stuff to do. I need you to watch the kids. I'm like, babe, 11.30, I'm there. So that gave me from 8.30 to 10.30 to play, and then it takes an hour to get from Central Park to, to my home. So I need to leave at 10.30 to get home at 11.30. At 10.10, I was invited to play another game. And a game is 20 minutes. So I said, that's perfect. 8.10, I leave 8.30, get home on time. The game ran long. And so... By the end of the game, it was, it was 8.35. And so I rushed to the train, and then because it was the weekend, the, the trains were a little slower. It didn't come as frequently as it should have. At which point, I was looking at the time. I said, oh no, I'm going to sleep in the doghouse tonight. <laughs> and then I get a text from my wife. Where are you? You said you'd be home at 11.30. Angry face emoji. You know what I did? How did I respond to that text? Honey, it was the trains. The trains didn't come. I'm still waiting for it right now even. I blamed the MTA. I blamed the MTA. And meanwhile, the next day, I'm looking at all the blaming in government, and I'm so disgusted. (laughs) And meanwhile, that same ugliness resides in me. What could be your inner ugliness that you so loathe in government? Might it be it resides in us as well? The hope.
the humility to recognize that the ugliness that I see is actually in me as well. You know, I have that kind of humility. I am less likely to blame so quickly. Humility. And then hope. What is, what is the hope? And the hope can actually be found when we look at what happened to Jesus Christ when he was placed in the hands of government. You see, God saw the inner ugliness of humanity and he did not remain distant across that aisle. He actually sent his son Jesus to cross that aisle. The ultimate aisle crosser, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was actually present with the ugliness of this world. And then at the end of his life, he was subject to this cruel governmental process and was crucified at the end of being placed in the hands of government. Now, do you ever wonder um, why the savior of the world, why did he have to die in the hands of government? You know, what, what, what if Jesus Christ died of a sickness, he dies, and then he rises again to show that he overcomes any sickness and illness and still demonstrate that he is Savior and Lord? Why couldn't it have happened that way? Or why couldn't have Jesus lived a thousand years and then declare, I'm the one who brings life? Right? He could have. Or, or maybe, what, what if, what, how come Jesus didn't die? Why not die of a natural disaster and then resurrect and then show that I am Lord over all of creation? Nothing can take me down. And yet, in God's wisdom, God chose the Savior of the world to die in the hands of government. Why is that? Well, I think it's this. I think one of the reasons is that he didn't just die in the hands of people in government. He died for people in government. He didn't just die in the hands of people in government. He died for people in government. He died for people in government. And I know this because even as he was being punished by Romans, do you know what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. What kind of person forgives and dies for his punishers? What kind of person does that? And yet we are named after this man. And so when Jesus crossed the aisle from heaven to earth, even though he had every right to, he did not even dish out punishment that our ugliness deserved. He did not dish out punishment. In fact, instead, what he did was, instead of dishing it out, you know what he did? He received it. He received it upon himself to the point where he himself became ugly. Quite literally. And so, scripture reads that he was whipped by government representatives. He was spat upon by the religious leaders, by the pastors of that day. And he was slapped and he was beaten to the point where Isaiah 52 um, talks about this, uh, this description of the Messiah, of Savior Jesus Christ. And how it reads is, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured 
beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. He didn't dish out the punishment. He received it because of the ugliness that is present in humanity and in the process became quite ugly himself. Why? So that he could take on our own inner ugliness so that those who are humble enough to recognize our own inner shortcomings can receive forgiveness. So that you who want your own inner ugliness taken away can now be made new. So that those of you who want your own inner ugliness washed away can experience renewal. This is the hope of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there is no ugliness that he cannot transform. There is no sin that he cannot overcome. There is no aisle that he cannot cross. This is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is the hope of every believer, knowing that the reason why he received that punishment was to take the ugliness of the world upon himself to the point where he was marred, he was disfigured, died, rose again, showing that he can renew all things, that he can transform all things, so that those of you who recognize, and those of us that recognize, that we have our, only, that we have our own inner ugliness can be transformed, made new, renewed. This is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. You know, so... What, what makes the Christian unique uh, in entering and engaging this space in a way that's sacramental? Listen, you believe that truth about Christ. It, you believe that and you let the Spirit of God let that sink. You are changed. You will act differently. And so, you know, you, you, you might be cut off or you might have uh, cut it off. And yet, maybe entering into this space uh, where Christ himself died might cause you to remember his work and then act differently. Might it? There's something about entering into a space that is significant that actually impacts you so much that you actually change the way you live. And I'll give a quick example. Uh, Last King, we were celebrating the legacy of Dr. King and I was reading about this woman who had to step into the place, the apartment, where Dr. King was assassinated and killed so that she could actually remember his legacy and then begin to act differently. She couldn't help it. Just being in that space where his life ended now caused her to remember and act differently because she entered into that space. What if we, as followers of Christ, entered into the same government space where he himself was killed so that we can remember his work and his life so that we ourselves act differently. Could that, could that be? Imagine, imagine a government filled with those kind of people. And so for those of you, um, you know, you're already engaged in government uh, maybe after you consider uh, the work of Christ to take away our own ugliness, maybe you're not so quick to blame this time. Or maybe you're quicker to forgive because of how he's forgiven 
you. And then for those of you that, um, that might be indifferent, uh, you're, you're disengaged and you've cut it off, maybe the invitation for you is to cross the aisle just as Christ crossed the aisle. Cross the aisle to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Cross the aisle to work with those that previously you were against. Cross the aisle into a space that you previously cut off as ugly. But recognizing that as you live in a way that's sacramental, God could be found in all these spaces. And so I'll just end with this quick story of just how I've been um, um, wrestling, wrestling with this, and then I'll call it the worship team uh, it was um, several, several years ago where the agency, the city agency that was over the redesign of Queens Boulevard um, were making propositions on how to redesign Queens Boulevard. And um, I, got, I got to see it because um, I've been serving on a community board. Community board is simply volunteers, residents, uh, workers who live in a particular neighborhood. And so they came to the community board describing the redesign of Queens Boulevard and Queens Boulevard needs some redesign. And one of the reasons why we wanted to engage was because, you know this avenue over here, 51st Avenue? Um, it's that crosswalk that goes diagonal. Um, go figure why they make a crosswalk and they make it diagonal. It is actually the longest crosswalk in Queens. And so there were issues about bike lanes, about safety, um, about, about parking. And as, um, as we... As we began to get, get involved, um, I just recognized there were some people that weren't represented. And so I began to speak about those folks that seemed to have been left out. Uh, and so it was just um, simply my effort of, of crossing the aisle. And there was this one meeting where I began to just um, express um, what I was thinking and what, what I felt was right. Um, and it was a public, it was like a public meeting. Um, a lot of people, it was crowded. Um, and it got really, it got really ugly. Um, and then I was given a time to speak. So you can imagine like, oh my gosh, like I'm just going to face this crowd. And so as I began to speak um, and, and just expressing um, what I felt was important for the neighborhood, the amount of booze that I got was shocking. And booze, not... Not like alcohol booze, but booze like people were just yelling, um, uh, arguing, um, accusing me of being so selfish. Um, and then they found out that I had a Twitter account. And so they began to blow up this Twitter feed that usually has no activity in it. <laughs> and so just uh, the hate that I felt. And then Rich who was following me uh, on Twitter, um, he decided to defend one of my comments. And so they found out that Rich had a Twitter account, and so they started to attack him. And so I was like, Rich, you don't need to get involved. Rich was like, I got to, man. And so there was this social media brawl, and it was so ugly, I said to myself, why, why am I even involved in this? It's so, it was so nasty. Why am I even involved in this? And I, I felt like I heard a whisper um, that, I, that I think is from Christ. And I felt like that whisper was saying, 
I know what it's like to be accused and yelled at and beaten up. I am near. And I felt like he was saying, keep on crossing the aisle. And so that's just my, uh, my encouragement. No matter where you are on this spectrum, may you keep on crossing the aisle. And so just these next steps um, that I'll go through and then we'll um, stand and sing. Maybe, maybe for you it's really just about a new posture of sacramental engagement. Recognizing that, you know, you've been involved in government, um, but what does it mean to live in a way that is more both aware and reflective of the presence of God in all aspects of our life? And then maybe the second part is for you. There's a missional learning community um, that starts today at two o'clock. It's after this service. Um, and it, this missional learning community exposes folks to, to tools about how you can talk about this great aisle crosser of ours, Jesus Christ, about how you can proclaim who he is in a way that is simple and relational. And then the last, the last there is about Queen's Power. There's also an info table downstairs in the lobby. Um, maybe that's for you as well, as you take baby steps in getting engaged in the community. And I'll just mention one quick thing why I really like Queen's Power. Um, for me, it's in the area of affordable housing and how so many families can be easily displaced because of lack of access to affordable housing. And for me, Queen's Power and being involved in it is like getting back in touch with what government was supposed to do according to the source, and which is to care over all of humanity and care over all of creation. And so would you stand with me as I pray and then we'll respond and sing. By the way, before I forget, um, if you don't mind just assisting um, a moment after the service to be able to clear the chairs out um, as we prepare for the next thing happening in this space, that would be uh, fantastic. But let me just pray. Father, uh, as we sing this song, let it be a response. Let it be a response to you, Jesus. You who crossed the aisle, not choosing to stay distant, but you crossed the aisle to be present with us, to take on the ugliness of this world upon yourself, that we might be transformed and renewed. Thank you, Jesus, that this is our hope in you. And so we sing this as a response to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.
got a feeling that the darkness won't last very long. Woo! And so um, I want to invite you to the front here, those that will serve the, the um, bread in the cup um, as a way of remembering the body broken for you and the blood poured out. Remember, come up and you can remember the ultimate, our glorious aisle crosser, Jesus Christ. And then to my left, I want to invite up the prayer team um, because simply we need, we need prayer. There are some of you, maybe through this, you, you recognize your own inner ugliness. You could be forgiven today through Christ. And maybe there's, there's some of you, the way that you've been engaging the government or political space, maybe you've been bad. And maybe there's a way to be sacramental recognizing and reflecting the presence of God. And so receive prayer as well. And then just this last part, I invite you to bow your heads as we just close and, and pray. Um, maybe you, you come in here and you recognize that there is an aisle of division between you and the Father in heaven who loves you. 
maybe you do recognize that you are distant from him and you want to be brought near. You want to be brought near to the Father as you humbly approach him. Today is your day. And so if that's, if that's you and you know that you've, you've never received Christ as that aisle crosser, you've never received him into your life as your savior, as the one who took your ugliness upon himself and you've never received him as Lord and today you want to because you want that aisle bridged. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand just as other heads are bowed, just as a way of letting him know, I want to be brought And so as we end today, as we close today, I invite you to put your hands in a posture of receiving, palms up as a way of receiving, simply because in this world, there can be much hate. But at this moment, let me announce and proclaim blessing over you. And so my brothers and my sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may God bless you and may he keep you and may he cause his face to shine upon you And may he be so gracious unto you that you are filled with his peace, that you might go in the power and in the anointing of his spirit as you go in a way that is sacramental, both recognizing and reflecting the presence of Jesus Christ wherever you go. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you, everyone.